at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello and welcome to the It's About the Money podcast. My name is EJ Fagan and tonight I am joined by Jim Carruthers. What's going on, EJ? It's, it's all going well. The Yankees, yet again, are in first place as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, but the uh, the Boston Red Sox are the second place team now, which they haven't been for uh, for most of the season. Uh, did, you, did you ever think that Baltimore would, would last up near the, t- the top of the, d- the division? <laughs> I feel like you keep reminding me of that. Yeah, I I still think that they're not done yet. I, I think that think? I think they're going to make a, a second run here. They're, they're not going away. I'm putting all my eggs Cra- in that basket. I mean, crazy thing, right? They're three and a half games back. They actually have four games in hand on I think both the the Rays and the Red Sox, which is crazy. Like they just I don't know how this early in the season you play that few games, but they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we're not going to talk about the, about the AL East. Uh, our plan for today is we're going to talk a little bit about current events, and then the uh, the draft is coming up. Uh, the Yankees amateur draft, the Rule Four amateur draft, uh, is coming up next week, and uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a draft preview uh, before uh, 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 before that happens, and then we'll do a draft draft recap after the draft. Um, our schedule for this next couple of weeks, uh, the, this next week and a half or so, are going to be a little bit weird. I'm away all of next week, so we're going to record two episodes this week. There will be no episode next week, and then we'll do a draft recap probably early early next week. Maybe even give you a second episode that week. We'll see. Um, but for now, let's. We got one kind of bit of news that happened just a little bit before we start recording. We're recording on Monday evening. Uh, so the Yankees have activated uh, Tyler Austin, officially ending his rehab assignment, and have assigned him to AAA Scranton. So they've optioned him down to Scranton. Uh, so, Jim, when you heard this news, uh, what did you think? I was uh, really surprised and a little sad. I mean, I, I thought Austin last year did um, a, a really serviceable job for having, really getting his first significant time um, up with the Yanks, I thought he looked good, and he as a as a player that could play first and uh, and the corners. Um, I think the person who signed the biggest uh, side of relief was uh, Ref Snyder. I, I I just I can't believe that they wouldn't just swap him out because um, they know who Austin is and they know he can play first. I I think he plays first better than uh, uh, Ref Snyder. Uh, Carter obviously is incompetent, but they they're not going to dump him just yet. Um, so I, I was just really surprised that they, they had the option there and, and, and they didn't take it. it was, that was odd to me. But you so if, if, you were, if you were a guy, you would send Ref Snyder down, not, not get rid of Chris Carter? Well, I think right now, because the Yankees are, are light on power um, at, at the corners, if, if you're going to deal with Ref Snyder or Austin playing the corner, um, that, that's okay. But I, I think they're at best the average and doubles guys. Um, I think there's some value to having a guy like Carter on the bench um, it, should you need a pinch hitter and, and Carter serviceable as a first baseman um, until Greg Bird gets back. And then Greg Bird gets back and you just you go through the breakup then. But they don't have yeah. to make that decision right now. Yeah, so I mean Bird is going to be back in a week. 
Um, The Yankees at that point will either have to send Ref Snyder down, which is probably what's going to happen, um, or they'll have to DFA Chris Carter. And I I mean, at this point, I guess you ask yourself, okay, you know, why is Chris Carter on this roster? So maybe he's on this roster because the Yankees need a first baseman who they are reasonably sure can at least be a decent, you know, above replacement level major league player. uh, And that's Chris Carter. Uh, which means they don't have a lot of faith in Greg Bird, but Tyler Austin seems to me just as good of a backup plan, and and he's he's optionable and all of that. So, I mean, I I just don't understand why Chris Carter is still on this team. I mean, I, I I feel like Tyler Austin can basically do what Chris Carter can do, and could potentially be even better. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. But I I also I kind of understand the like preserving assets nature of the move, right? It's that they can send Tyler Austin down. Um, he can, they can keep him in the organization and then Greg Bird comes up and, uh, then they can make a decision. They can get, they can send Rob Ressler down and they don't, they don't lose any assets from the organization that they might need. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be paying Chris Carter no matter what. So they're, you know, they, they can make that decision, but I don't know. It, it seems a little weird. I mean, he had a, Austin had a really good, a pretty good rehab assignment. I mean, he was batting like, like well north of 350, he you know he hit a home, he hit a home run. He wasn't really striking out. Like he was he was playing pretty well. So I'm I'm a little bit surprised. I also have just as a side comment. I mean I think the Yankees have been lucky with what Gardner's been giving them, but he has been playing a lot. Um, and with Jacoby, um, you know, kind of relapsing a little bit, it would be nice to have a a, a guy that you could put in left field and actually give you a bat when if you wanted to give Gardner, uh, Gardner a blow. Um, and I just I worry, you know, Gardner's not a kid anymore, and he's always worn down in the second half of the season. And and that's why I thought Austin kind of made sense, um, at least until Jacoby came back. You know, I mean, I I definitely get, I, I definitely agree with you, and I think the Yankees have worn down in past seasons, and they've made the mistake of not resting a guy like Brett Gardner very often. Right, Gardner plays a high intensity game. He plays the outfield. He's not very young anymore. Like you should expect the guy to wear down a little bit as the season goes on. So he should be given off days so he doesn't look like Brian McCann did in the back half of the last couple of seasons. But the my, my problem with that is that, is that you need someone who can who can play. And I, I don't think Tyler Austin is, is above replacement level if he's playing defense in the outfield. He's a pretty bad defensive outfielder, even yeah. if he's done it. And he hasn't yet proven that he's like a good enough hitter to really be you know be worth it. I think Chris Carter is basically in the same boat, where he's such a bad defensive outfielder that that you know even though he's played there in the past, it's not really it's just not really worth it out there. Um, so I have a question for you. So if do do the Yankees with as long as uh, Ellsbury is down, do the Yankees need a fourth outfielder who can actually play the outfield better than Ref Snyder? I think they do need one better than Ref Snyder. I think I mean who should they it, call it, up? Oh man, I, well, I have someone in my head, but I'm curious what you think. Well, it's. I mean, are, are you going to say your hero, Mason Williams? No, I, I've lost faith in Mason Williams. I think Tyler <laughs> Wade should be called up. Right? Oh, I, I think like Tyler, that. I, and frankly, I think Tyler Wade's a better person to have in this, uh, on this roster than Ronald Torres. is. So Torres oh, okay. is, is a is an okay hitter. He's probably not as good as a hitter uh, of a hitter as Tyler Wade. He's not a great pinch runner, right? Tyler Wade can steal some real bases. He doesn't really play the outfield. He plays all the infield positions, but not the outfield. I, I think that Tyler Wade can play shortstop fine. He's a good shortstop. He can probably pretty quickly pick up second base, third base, or whatever you need him, you know, in an emergency. And he can play the outfield positions um, pretty well. I, I mean, I, I think he's the utility player the Yankees need right now. And I think it's a little ridiculous that they're not calling him up. I would love that move, especially because um, I'm dying for somebody 
and it's not that I have anything personal against Chase Headley, um, but somebody to actually spell Chase Headley and, and not sacrifice the glove and, and offer something. And if you did something like you did a short stint with Tyler Wade, you could give him some time at third, give him some time in left, and then send him back home when Jacoby comes back. That would be awesome. Yeah, you know, look, he's going to be added to the 40-man roster at some point soon, right? Maybe it's when there's an injury that he has to be called up for. Maybe it's in September. Either way, like that 40-man roster spot has to be cleared for it. And I believe the Yankees actually have 39 players currently on their 40-man roster. Austin might have been on the 60-day DL, which maybe that, that brings them back up to 40. Either way, like there, there's someone like a Mason Williams that I think you can cut from the 40-man roster with confidence at this point. Wade, you, Wade is only really is, is going to take up that spot eventually. You might as well just get it over with. Um, so that's, that's my, my, my Tyler Wade rant. But we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit about the draft. Before we talk about the draft, we are sponsored by SwapSeatTickets.com. Uh, if you'd like to uh, trade your season tickets with other fans, go to seat swap t- swapseattickets.com slash members and use the promo code SWAP. We'll have a link in the description. They're awesome sponsors. We thank, thank, thank them for sponsoring the show. Moving on to the draft. Uh, so the Yankees will be drafting uh, this year. They, uh, in the 2017 draft, actually, I have to look up um, what their draft position is. They, they finished kind of in the back half of the first round, but only, only slightly past the median. They have a $6.9 million draft pool. Um, kind of as a reminder, the way that the draft has worked since the, the last CBA before this is that um, you get assigned a certain amount of money and uh, uh, based on your draft position, based on the numbers of complimentary, supplementary picks that you have, and that's how much money you have to devote to, to players in the draft. Um, you can sign a player for a dollar. You can sign a player for all for for every every dime of your of your your bonus pool. Um, but that's what you're limited to. You can go a little bit over that, but it's only a small amount, and there's a pretty stiff penalty for going over it. So teams don't like to go over it by too much. So the Yankees have six point nine million dollars to av- allocate to their their top ten draft picks this season. Um, last season they had a little bit more money. They were able to to kind of push some money around and, and sign a player like Blake Rutherford for over for an over slot value. Um, this season, uh, they they pretty much have that ability too, um, uh, more than they they will have you know after for example this season when they're going to be drafting at the very back half of, the, uh, of this round. Um, so Jim, we're not going to talk about individual players, but I'm just curious, like what draft strategy do you expect the Yankees to kind of employ as they go in? Oh man, I think I, I was kind of looking through just at a high level, like where where the weight was in this draft class. Um, it's uh, it's obviously teams are not good, especially the Yankees are bad at uh, drafting in the first round. But there's a lot of weight on pitching this year, um, and I just I think that given how the uh, how the Yankees have been burned on some first round picks, especially high school kids, um, I, I think that they'll they'll probably defer that, and and probably if someone's around that has some obscure you know um, you know offensive category like you know if a high power or high average guy was around um you know someone like like jake burgers so you got a big bad place corner um if he was sitting around i think they would they would probably pounce um and that's, that's essentially how the yankees approached the draft last year yeah. i was actually wrong yeah. they, they're drafted actually higher than they did last year last year they drafted 18th now they're drafting 16th which is the same that they drafted in 2015 when they picked up james caprielian 
Um, so the last year, the Yankees, Blake Rutherford was considered a consensus top 10 pick. There were some bonus demands that people thought he might have, and so people were reluctant to pick him. He fell all the way to 18th. The Yankees drafted him and were able to, to sign him for an above-slot signing bonus. Um, that's so is that kind of what you're talking about, that you the Yankees will probably you know, may just kind of sit back and see what big player uh, falls? Yeah, and it, I have to admit there's some bias here because like nothing gives me like more heartburn than like drafting a high school pitcher in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this it's got a load of you know everyone's got excited about fastballs and, and curveballs out of these high school pitchers and top tens loaded with them in the projections. High school pitchers for the Yankees just do not pan out, and every time they draft one, I get excited and then I just get my heart broken. Um, so I, I guess my bias would be to go with a position guy because at least like position players can fail sideways. Like they can, they can at least if they don't work out in center field, you can move them to the corner or if they have a bat for it or something like that. And it's at least to re, it's a little easier to recoup some value on a positional player. So, but I, I'm I'm hopeful. So, so you think that the, the kind of the weight, the, the bubble of this draft in the first round is probably at the high school level, not not college players? I mean, it seems at the high level, and kind of just going through some of the draft boards, it, it seems like there's some nice college players, but a lot of big high school arms, um, you know, as usual, this kid throwing Hunter Green, throwing 102 at high school, like, come on, man, that's <laughs> going to be tough to pass. Uh, yeah, and for example, uh, the Red Sox drafted 12th last year. They drafted J- Jason Groom who was considered, like, widely considered, like, the best high school arm of that draft. Um, and a couple of actually high school arms got picked up in front of him. Uh, Braxton Garrett, Ian Anderson, those kinds of guys. Uh, and Groom, a lot of people thought he was just going to be very expensive. The Red Sox drafted him, managed to find the money, and they signed him. Um, he's, he's actually been injured already, um, which is, which is I think, notable. I, I'm totally with you. I, I think... I think the, the the allure of a high school armor or even a high school position player is very strong, but it's got to be a true high ceiling player if you're going to draft him, uh, you know, with a with the 16th overall pick. Um, I don't I don't want you you can't comp- you you can't ask you can't draft a safe high school player. There, there's no such thing as a safe high school player other than like a Bryce Harper or somebody that's not going to fall all the way to the Yankees. Yeah, totally agree. And this is kind of the draft where if you had the football model, which isn't perfect either, you know, sitting where the Yankees are, I would trade down if I could and stockpile because uh, I don't know if they're going to be able, like you said, Blake Rutherford last year was a gift. Mm. I don't know if that person's going to fall to them this year. And their organization is kind of deep. Um, so you'd rather almost stockpile, you know, a bunch of lottery tickets than find something expensive that you don't know if you're going to use. You know? Yeah, and you know, I, I think I, I wish major league teams should be allowed to trade draft picks. I think it's ridiculous that they can't. I don't. I, I've never heard a good reason articulated for why you shouldn't allow people to trade draft picks. Um, it just makes no sense to me. But I'd like to move on. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about past Yankee draft strategy. Um, and and you mentioned briefly, and I think we should underscore this that the Yankees aren't very good at drafting. Can you would you, would you like to go a little farther and, and tell me about the Yankees' first round picks over the last, we'll say, decade? Oh my gosh! I mean, go go fifteen years back. Even um, it is so sad, you know that the players that actually make it to the big leagues that the Yankees draft in the first round, they either don't stick with them, like Ian Kennedy or Bill Hughes, and they're gone now, uh, or you have guys that don't even make it past high A, uh, like Ty Hensley, uh, high school pitcher uh, at Oklahoma. And um, I think really, if you if you look in the last decade. Yankees have one guy 
some, some guy named Aaron Judge uh, out of the yeah. first round. Uh, one out of ten, I could have probably drafted him. And I'll tell you, here's the interesting thing, right? So, like, the Yankees, uh, let's go back to that 2013 draft, 2012, 2011, 2010. The Yankees had a rush, a ring of safe draft picks in the first round. In 2010, they drafted Cito Culver, who was, like, a defense-first shortstop out of of Rochester. Um, At the time, a lot of us, myself included, kind of got fooled by the, like, the Yankees know better than we do. You know, the the scouting reports have to be wrong because the Yankees picked him. No, they were right. He was terrible. (laughs) Uh, he's, he's now a first baseman at AAA, not doing very much. Uh, Dante Pichette, um, who some people at the time like openly said, like, this seems like a nepotism pick, where yes, um, yeah. Pichette's father is a good friend of Joe Girardi's, and uh, he was see, people were projecting him as a fourth and fifth round talent, and guess what? He was probably should have been a fourth and fifth round talent. We probably should have gotten his brother, Bo. Um, that would have been much better. Uh, Ty Hensley, who was considered... Essentially, like a like a, a normal high school arm, um, but nothing nothing particularly special. Um, Hensley and basically didn't play in the minor leagues. He's been injured the entire time. Has never really been able to to, to play. Um, Eric Jagiello, who was another kind of safe college pick. He was a third baseman. wasn't great at defense. They thought he could probably hit. He's probably not going to have a major league career at this point. Um, even Ian Clarkin, again, high school arm, left-handed pitcher, was considered to have like decent but not great stuff, has been injured and hasn't done a lot. All of those players were just safe, boring picks, right? They, they, were not, they weren't the, guy, the highest guy you know, probably in the rankings on anybody else's draft board. They, they were just kind of guys who the Yankees often cited things like makeup, they, they cited you know, the, the reliability of these picks, that, those kinds of things. And in the middle of all that, there's Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge was a high-ceiling project kind of lottery ticket pick uh, that the Yankees really, I I think I remember at the time, only felt comfortable taking because they had their first-round pick and they had two supplemental picks in 2013 uh, from losing Robinson Cano and losing one other. And because they had had those picks, they said, okay, we're going to do two safe picks, we're going to take a lottery lottery ticket out on Aaron Judge. And the lottery ticket worked. Um, spectacularly, he was a he was a he, Aaron Judge was he wasn't a I forget where he he went to looks like Fresno State, Fresno, which is yeah. which is I believe not a not is a Division One school, but is not is like borderline not Division One. And he was a sophomore, and he was tall, and he you know he hadn't really done a whole lot, and and he really was considered a gamble when they picked him. Um, if I'm the Yankees, right. The bottom line here is is you got to take some risks and you got to go for ceiling in the first round. I totally agree, and it's really funny because their safe picks have not panned out um, they at been all. Panned out in Tampa. It's not. It's not like they've even come like yeah. major league bench players. Yeah, and the best thing that Eric uh, Jagiello, I can't even pronounce his name, ever did was getting traded for Chapman. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that, he was worth it there. Uh, well, he, <laughs> And they tried to screw up those picks also. Judge was the third guy that they took in that draft. They picked two people in front of Aaron Judge, and Judge really slipped to them. I think the rap on him was that he was a multi-sport guy. Um, and for some reason, baseball teams punish you for being a multi-sport guy. So um, they, they, tried, they did everything they could to give him to some other team, like Tampa or something. Uh, and, and they still found a way to, to – I guess you can't screw it up every time. In 2015, they draft Kyle Holder. Kyle Holder was a was a, a no hit shortstop that looked a lot like Cedo Culver. Just had Cedo Culver gone to college, 
Um, in 2014, they drafted. They didn't have a first-round pick. Their, their, their top pick was a college reliever. Jacob Lindgren was supposed to be a safe pick, but ended up, again, not really ma- making the majors. And I think the lesson here is that maybe there was a time when there was like such a thing as a safe, a safe prospect, a prospect that you could project you know, in, into the major leagues, even though his tools weren't really quite there. He had a lot of polish and all of that. I just think those times are over. Or the Yankees just aren't very good at it. Um, and I, you know, I think that the last two first-round picks they've made, Blake Rutherford and James Caprielian, those were the right kind of picks. Even yeah. if neither of them right now are looking great, Blake Rutherford's been kind of okay. He's been injured for the most part all season. And Caprielian just had kind of Tommy John surgery. I think that they're still they're picks that you could see panning out in a big way. Yeah, it's nice to see them go a little riskier, especially – with Blake, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for position players in the first round, just because yeah. I think even good pitching prospects like Cap, um, who I admit, like I've I have an affection for Cap. I think he's, he could be a great pro if he stays healthy. But first round, like pitchers in general, just don't survive the farm league process. Um, you know, the the Yankees' top prospects for pitching right now, none of them are are first round picks. The highest one is Chance Adams in the second. They got double digit guys in their farm system that are um, in their top five for highest rated starters. Um, you you almost have to like <laughs> just go volume when you're when you're drafting pitchers and pray um, because they might not survive. So assigning that much value to a first round pick when you don't even know if the body's going to um, survive the development process, I, I think is is very risky in itself. I mean, if the Yankees are good, are good at something, by the way, if Chance Adams was, was, was a fifth-round pick, I forget what you, what you said there. Oh, like, fifth, it, okay. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, if the Yankees are good at something, they're good at taking that those, like, mid-round picks, like four to eight, and, you know, taking some, like, college pitcher and turning them in, or college reliever, and, like, turning them into a really good player. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's that strength that they have, and I think that that's where they'll they'll be successful if they're going to be if they're going to be successful in this, in this kind of upcoming draft. The I do say, though, like, if... I, I'm generally with you that I, I want the Yankees to be focusing on position players early. The Yankees have have a weakness in their system right now. If, if they have a weakness, it's like top-line starting pitching talent. True, yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about who, like future starters kind of in their organization, right? You have James Caprielian, who's just had Tommy John surgery. You have Justice Sheffield, who's doing pretty well at AA. You have Chance Adams, who's doing great at AAA. And then you have a lot of guys who are either lower down, but or like are kind of maybe relief pitchers who are kind of starting okay right now. Guys like Dietrich Enns, who I think is probably going to be a relief pitcher. Jordan Montgomery's graduated to the majors, so he's already done there. Um, you know, you have guys kind of like a Daniel Camarena, who's just kind of like a low ceiling uh, prospect. I, I think that the Yankees, the Yankees do need some start, some 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 starting pitching at this point. They do, um, but for instance, with the Cap when Cap was picked, he, a lot of people were projecting him to maybe even help the Yankees that year. I remember, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was really nice, polished, you know, college arm with a uh, with a big fastball. They thought he would go right away. And I don't know if, and obviously, yeah, projecting picks is really tough. I don't know if that guy is there. You know, if you're going to be able to get a, a polished arm that could be a three or four starter in the next season or two. Um, to, t- to mesh up with the, where the roster is, if, if that makes sense. I mean, there, this roster is a, a playoff roster this year, um, and it's something much more next year. And and you need people to mesh with that development cycle in terms of starting pitching. And I just I don't know if they're going to luck out uh, with that. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in the I'm in the boat of you know I, I don't think they should think about their current major league roster. I think they should think about just kind of like general organizational strength. Yeah. Like for example, it, it would have been a bad idea to have a first a first round pick who was a catcher three years ago, because yeah. the Yankees had like five catchers in their system at the time. Um, you know, and I think it would be it would even and even if like again if there's a real clear best player available, fine, pick that guy. But often the, this is the case of of you know ties and not you know not a lot of difference between players. Um, and you know the and you know the the Yankees have a have an obvious need um, at at, uh, at pitching. They also I also think in general they probably have a little bit of a need in the infield. Um, you know the the Yankees have plenty of outfield prospects at this point. They're they're not going to need to fill outfield from from the farm system anytime soon. And it's also relatively easy to fill position to fill in free agency. Um, but third baseman, first baseman, even second baseman. You know I, I think that there's there could be a little bit of a need there. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see them kind of go that way. Um, I would draft uh, two catchers a year from now on until you actually find one, just because the, it takes them a long time to develop them. And behind uh, Gary, you know, there's a little bit of a vacuum there too. I mean, uh, <laughs> Kawagashioka, I can never pronounce his name either. Uh, he's he he's like kind of an old AAA hand at this point. Um, I. I, I see a little bit of a bubble filling there. For a long time, they were spoiled. They had, you know, Posada, they had Montero, they had Romine, they had Gary. Um, catcher is such an important position. I think you always need to have one in the pipeline. That makes and it sense. could take four or five years to oh, develop yeah. even a good catching prospect. I mean, Gary Sanchez was signed, I think, what, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you there. And and it, you know, and and at that point, you know, Gary Sanchez could be a free agent by the time that that catcher is ready. Yeah. Um, it, it, that long, especially if he's a high school player. So I think you're totally right there. Um, I, 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 what I, what I don't want them to do is I don't want them to go for the light hitting, okay, defensive middle infielder that they love drafting in in the um, in the second round. So like in the second round, they've drafted Nick Solak at second base last year, who it was like a again like a safe college player who's been okay in the minors, but hasn't really been anything special. They drafted a couple years ago Kasuki Kato, who's only notable because Fangraft has Fangraphs has named their Miley projection system after him. Um, they've drafted guys like Angelo Gums years ago, guys like. Um, uh, Austin Oon, who ended up being a, a shortstop, they're just not. They, 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 none of these players even came close to panning out. Um, maybe Solak will be different, but I, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's something that I guess maybe just kind of sounds good to the Yankees sometimes, but they're just not very good at it. They don't find they they, they and often these guys when the Yankees draft them, they draft them off the board, which is what annoy one thing that annoys me. Right? They're they're players that none of the draft rankings were considering at that point. They were kind of just Yankees guys. Yankees have a history of kind of going after their guys, the guys that they, they they think have the right makeup to be Yankees. Yeah, yeah, and they tend to draft glove really high, um, which is kind of annoying because you can develop glove. Um, and I mean, not that you know, glove is a natural skill, but you know, guys like like Teixeira did not have was was his glove was not appraised very highly coming out, and he really had to learn first base. Um, but he developed into a gold glove first baseman. You're better off getting somebody with an obscure bat or, uh, um, or you know, even even run. I mean, run at least run. You can do something right away. Um, but going after glove for a fielder, uh, I, I'm totally with you. Like the Kyle Holder pick is such. That is just what they do. And I, the thing is, Kyle Holder's never going to magically hit 25 home runs, or um, six, or six. Yeah, that's right. It won't even hit 200 in the minors. So, 
or he did 290, I guess, last year. But yeah, it's it's yeah, the glove the glove can be developed, I guess, and then that's the reason why it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like the you go through the second round picks, it's it's a bunch of you know two A type guys, not even four A players. Yeah, I'm totally with you there, and, and you know I think that. Um, the Yankees have overhauled their player development system recently, and it's really it's 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 brought in a lot of gains once they uh, uh, kicked out Mark Newman and brought in. I'm trying to remember the name of their current uh, director of player development. Uh, whatever they brought, they they replaced Mark Newman, who was their 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 director of player development for a very long time, and pretty much immediately they started they started really showing improvement of the talent that they uh, they had in the system. Um, and uh, Damon Oppenheimer is still their uh, their their head of their head of amateur scouting, and you know I, I at some point I think Yan- the Yankees need to reevaluate him. I used to sing his praises kind of back in the mid two thousands when he brought in the Jabba Chamberlains of the world and all that, and David Robertsons of the world. Uh, but that that's kind of ancient history at this point, and I, I think it's kind of the one weak spot of the organization. If you if you look at their current farm system and look at like where their strong their their top prospects have come from. There's a lot of guys coming in via trade, right? You have the you have the the two big trades plus the some of the minus, the smaller trades like the Brian McCann trade, Brian and Abreu and all that. And you got a lot of uh, some you got some international signings and not the draft has just not been a, especially the high rounds the way that they acquire talent lately. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, if anything, that the player development, you know, that the, the mid. Uh, um, late rounds have, have yielded more than the higher round picks. I mean, we were just talking earlier about Dustin Fowler, um, 18th rounder. It you know, it, and now he's he's their their top center field prospect. I mean, they're they're cultivating guys better than they're drafting at the high round, and that's um, that's a sign of a problem. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, and you have to ask like what the process is that 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 that's different, right? Like why why if if they can find the chance abs in Dustin Fowler's like fairly regularly, why can't they just apply that same wisdom to the second round? Um, <laughs> and 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 it has to be that they're that they're thinking differently about these picks. Maybe maybe in the in those later rounds they're looking for like project types with with tools, and they think that they're being like safer in the early rounds, but in reality. They're they're just being too safe that they're they're not they're not thinking kind of that same way because I mean this goes goes back even farther. Brett Gardner was I believe a third round pick. Um, you you can go to the David Phelpses of the world. You can go there. I mean they have a huge history of drafting kind of these like great seventh round college uh, you know college pitcher types. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know it, it's just it's just weird. It's it's a very odd um, pattern that the Yankees have. Um, I know I will be angry. Like I, like I look. I don't. I, I couldn't tell you the name of literally one person in this upcoming draft because that's not how I do research. I, re- I research guys after the Yankees have drafted them. Um, I, I, I could not. I couldn't tell you the name of everybody, but I will tell you. I will be. I will only really be upset if I hear that their first and second round picks were Kyle Holder types, low yeah. ceiling, quote unquote, safe players who in reality aren't very safe. Yeah, and they probably shouldn't be pursuing anything middle infield. Like it, I agree that infield in general they they need, but I, I'm thinking more at the corners. And yeah, safety should not be the thing. They should be looking for big, uh, aggressive, um, obscure left-handed bats. Is, is what they should be targeting if they want to fill out the organization. Because those are guys that could they could develop immediately and and have an actual home uh, at the big league level. Um, so if, if, uh, this is your first draft that you've really paid a lot of close attention to, here's how you can, you can watch it or 
kind of watch it. There's a there'll be uh, I believe next Tuesday. Though, don't check me on the actual days of the week. There'll be a broadcast on MLB Network, and they'll do like the first the first round, and I think the supplemental round there. And that will just kind of be you know a big you know all, all the showy stuff. Um, and then um, and they they do a, I think they do a really good job. They have John Manuel on, um, and some of the the guys who used to be at Baseball America, and they really they really know their prospects and they're, they're prospect geeks. So they're kind of fun to watch. Uh, and then the day after that, they'll actually start the, the next two days. They'll actually do the rest of the, uh, of the draft. Um, and you can, you can watch that. There's like a little draft tracker on MLB.com. Um, we're going to try to have coverage on the site again. I'll be out of town. So I'm going to be relying on some of the other people, hopefully to, to, to get some coverage on the site. We'll have some kind of brief profiles with people. Um, and then, you know, we'll follow these guys as they go. Um, I'll, there, I'll, there's a lot more information comes out about the players after they're drafted. So we'll get, we'll get some information uh, kind of, kind of going on, uh, on there. Um, again, we'll also be covering later this off season. The Yankees for the first time in years can actually put real money towards signing uh, um, international free agents. <laughs> the Yankees, uh, if you remember about three years ago, had this like big haul on, uh, on July 4th or July 2nd and uh, brought in like a ton of international free agents, way overspent their bonus pool, but then they were barred from from signing uh, basically any large international free agent for a couple of years. Now they're back and now they can they can, they can put money there, though the, now the, there's there's a slightly more there's more hard caps that they kind of have to have to abide by. But it'll be fun. So we'll actually have an international signing period for the Yankees as well. Um, Jim, anything else you want to say about the draft? Yeah. Um, so the NFL gets uh, Radio City and uh, – or I'm sorry. Uh, well, this year is actually at the Art Museum in Philadelphia. Did you see where the MLB draft is? It's a caucus, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Can we write somebody about that? Yeah. It, yeah it we use the MLB that like parking no. lot or something. Yeah, I, I, I've I've actually driven by where the MLB Network studios are, and that's you're basically right. Um, they're 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 basically in, if you've ever been to Secaucus and nowhere. Um, I'm sorry for anybody who lives in Secaucus, New Jersey, uh, but you know they it's um you know it's an interesting um it, it's an interesting setup because they only have a couple of players there in person. They basically have like the local kids there in person and a couple of the really high first round picks. So like Mike Trout happened to be there his year. I think the first year they televised it because he's from New Jersey. Um, yeah. But you, a lot of the other guys, they're just not there and they just kind of announce their names and they move on. It's, it's a very strange, it's not as well handled as the football draft, but also, you know, the thing about the football draft is you just saw these guys play in college Right, they're like a lot of them. A lot of, them, especially the first round picks, are already big names, and then they're immediately going to go play in in in, in the NFL. Whereas for the for for even like even the best player drafted in this draft will likely not debut this season. Yeah, um, and he may not debut next season. I mean, it's it's amazing how like difficult it is to um, to just rise up through the through the minor leagues. But that's a topic for another for another day. Uh, Jim, thank you very much for joining me. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. This has been your It's About the Money podcast. At Jared... We know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. 
Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.